I once heard somebody say something that the reason dentists are miserable is because their whole livelihood is looking at something slowly decay. <laughs> because, you know, you keep looking at mouths and all, and like you got your adult teeth. It's not like they'll heal. They'll just, they just decay and that's, that's it. That's all they do. So you're just constantly facing mortality every time somebody opens their mouth. That's like one thing that fucking pisses me off about teeth. Is that like your entire fucking life, you got to scrub them shits, you got to keep them fucking clean. But then the moment that you fucking die, they're just perfectly preserved for a million years, you know? They're just fine. Wow, yeah. That shit suck. I feel like the reason that dentists are miserable is because they have to see people all day who are terrified of them. Yeah. (laughs) If they were a little nicer when they ask you if you floss or not, that would probably... Toned down a little. I had the nicest dentist in the world as a kid, and like to the point where my all, all of my extended family saw him and nicknamed him Doctor Happy because he was just so delightful. You think he was putting the happy gas mask on a lot? You oh, know? I don't know. He yeah. was like the Mister Rogers of dentists. I stopped seeing him. I think around the time I was in college and. At that time, I was working at the morgue, and he was so upset that I had to work at the morgue and basically said the reason he didn't become a full doctor and was just a dentist is because he couldn't stand to watch all those things being done to people's bodies. It's like, dude. Dude, yeah. you do some really gross shit to people's bodies. Yeah. You dig in their fucking gums and, like, insert screws and shit. Yeah. Well, those are the oral surgeons. Regular mm, dentists You're just... right, you're right. Oral surgeons are fucking twisted. Like uh, Steve Martin from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, my God. I think about him all the time. What a wonderful character. Yeah. So uh, since we're talking about a movie, about spending a night in a haunted house, do you guys have any strong haunted house slash hayride stories from your youth? Really, when it comes down to it, like whenever I shell out money and go to those like real fancy Jason's Woods What's the other one? The fucking like Bates Motel one. Right. The ones that I always really give a shit about and come down for are those fucking country bumpkin ones that I like grew up with. And like little ass ones people do in their backyards. Yes. There's this one that that we had growing up. Terror in the junkyard. Still there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're fucking going this Friday. And that one is it's just great seeing these fucking little kids going nuts so but so fucking terrified out of their minds out of another kid who's like their age with like a fucking michael myers mask that's amazing weren't you guys also telling me about a haunted house in like a garden center or some shit oh bob's bob's garden world bob's. well that one was only around for a couple seasons or or at least like it was done by the time i was eight or nine like it was around when i was a little little kid and my parents took me once and it was just like it was the most terrifying night of my life up to that point you're standing in line for like an hour and they're just like playing that like what's that classic haunted house thing spooky sounds for halloween no 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 it's like the classic like music like beethoven shit that oh like tubular bells from the exorcist no 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 no, the one doesn't Alfred Hitchcock uses it at the funeral. Uh... Oh, um, it's Bach. Bach. It's yeah, Bach, fugue but... in Toccata and fugue mm, in D minor. That's what I'm fucking talking about. That shit's playing. And that's the scariest fucking sound in the world. 
and like and you can just hear screams from inside this building and the fact that it's in a garden center so like all they it's really have amazing is is hoses you know touching your legs as fucking snakes and like bags of mulch with fog coming out of them oh it's such a magical thing october and halloween all my favorite ones were the ones where like yeah we drove half an hour and it was the the that town's local fire department put something together yeah. to get donations because nowadays it's so glossy and professional but these ones were just a bunch of fucking drunks just jumping yeah. out and i remember i was like 12 we went to one of them and like you know you do your little haunted walk and there's you can hear the guy with the chainsaw you know in the distance and people screaming oh yeah we go into this like big tent and it's pitch black and I cannot see my hand in front of my face. It's that dark. And then all of a sudden I hear the chainsaw rev up and it's like, not here. The not guy here. is in the tent with, I'm like, and I'm thinking like, I can just like walk in front of this guy. Like you can't see me. He's going to like cut my head off. I was legitimately terrified and I just ran the fuck out and I will never forget it. It was so good. Yeah. Why do we fucking love that shit? Like why is I that such know, a thing? But it's, it really it just it's it's like this combination of something having the Halloween atmosphere and being terrifying and playing with all these horror tropes and characters, but also it's fun and whimsical at the same time. Yeah. Not when you're a kid though. No, when not when you're a kid. Terrifying. And like the best ones is like when you're a, a kid and you see like ahead of you, there's somebody laying down or sitting down. And you know they're going to jump up. They're, you know they're yeah. playing dead and they're going to jump up at you. And you have to keep going. You have to keep going down yeah, this trail. Yeah, there's candy at the end of it. And it's just like you get this, like, it's like this jack-in-the-box. Like, you know yeah. the jack-in-the-box is going to pop out. But you just got <laughs> to keep going. You don't know when. Oh, yeah. There was one where the, the guy, like, hung himself accidentally. And that was like an urban legend thing. Oh, no, no. That really happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, was it that was, the one that was in Brigantine? Oh, yeah. What, what happened was is he, it was like a hanging guy. Yeah. You know, and like, and he jumps up and goes boo at some point, you know, while he's hanging and you're like looking at him. But something went wrong and, and the noose caught. And it was like tied like a real fucking noose. I guess right. the guy was a Boy Scout at, you know, when he was alive. And... Yeah, and he hung there all night, and it was it wasn't until they were like done and like wrapping up, like they didn't find until the next day. Wow. Yeah, no, it happened to my sister's friend. Shut up. <laughs> but no, no, no. I know this story because all right, all right, it you happened guys, around us. Because we we, we got to get to the fucking party here. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide-ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And after last week's episode on Hammer Horror, Frankenstein, and our absolute favorite pointy chin boy, Peter Cushing, we knew we had to switch gears a bit. So now we're coming in hot off a fantastic mini-movie marathon where we watched a curated assortment of Hong Kong ghost stories. So this week, we will be diving into Sammo Hung's influential 1980 masterpiece, Encounter of the Spooky Kind. There's an old saying, people who are poor 
to their name or we see ghosts. I'm not scared of ghosts. You won daring charm. I have a very good friend who practices witchcraft. I got a quick synopsis of the film I'd like to read off. This is courtesy of Eureka Classics' terrific Blu-ray restoration. A defining film in Hong Kong genre cinema. Encounter of the spooky kind blended kung fu, special effects, and Chinese folklore to invent a whole new subgenre of Asian cinema, the Zhangxi film, which only a few years later would spawn the iconic and hugely successful Mr. Vampire. Sammo Hung plays Courageous Chung, a man well-known in his local village for his lack of fear. His reputation is soon put to the test after he is tricked into spending the night in a temple full of spirits, zombies, and vampires. Not content with delivering a bucket load of supernatural chills and thrills, Sammo also delivers some of the finest action choreography of his career. What a fucking wonderful piece of insanity this movie is. When I first saw it with you, John, uh, I think we were like in our late teens, or I was in my late teens, and I wasn't too hot on it at the time because I was expecting kind of a straight horror movie. Yeah, that's what kind of left me cold to it. Especially in the beginning, it has like this like Evil Dead 2 phantom lady with this long, oh, the long arm. purple arm coming out of a mirror. So yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be a Sammo Hung movie with him doing kung fu with his like bow fighting and all that against crazy Evil Dead 2 monsters. That's in there. I mean, that, that is for bit. sure in there. But it's not as, you know, heavy as I expected. So I, when I came back for the rewatch, with the mind of like, this is a Sammo Hung martial arts movie with supernatural shit like around. Yeah. Then I was like, okay, I like it a lot better in that mindset. I think because this was maybe my first Sammo Hung movie, I really didn't know what I was getting into. And I was just expecting Evil Dead from Hong Kong, which I mean, we certainly get a little bit of, but this is first and foremost Sammo Hung doing his amazing yeah. back flipping, high kicking routine. This isn't the boxer's omen. That's like a completely different piece. This is, you know, fun Sammo Hung with some crazy Eastern black magic thrown in. Yeah, and I think that's something that I got a real taste for. A couple of years ago, I did an episode of the projection booth on all the Mr. Vampire movies and watched them all. And I think they can be a little bit unapproachable at first or just feel very sort of off-putting if you're not used to the vibe which is that there's some sort of buddhist priest practicing magic basically against these ghosts and vampires and so they go through these really elaborate rituals that are repeated in almost all of these movies and i think the first time you watch it you're like what the hell's going on here? For sure. But I also, I think what I love about them is that they're not horror movies and they're just this demented blend of comedy, horror, spooky atmosphere, and kung fu. Yeah, they're for the kids. They're for the kids. Which is why I think they just capture what I think of as the Halloween spirit. Absolutely. I think what we were talking about in, in our cold open with haunted houses and just like, that feeling you get in October, these movies really encapsulate that in in a way because they're not too scary, but like 
some of the imagery is sometimes they are they are like the imagery definitely is at, at times kind of graphic and they use they do things with bugs and with just like body parts and limbs yeah, and like and gore, sometimes. gore and animatronics like the way that this movie opens with uh Sammo hung deep in a dream where he's getting like stalked by skeletons and they take like bites out of his leg it's, those are great looking bite yeah wounds. when they cut to his leg blood it's pretty gnarly and and so i think that's why early on in the movie when it really feels like oh this is going to be a straight horror movie it threw me off when i first watched it obviously i absolutely adore it now but yeah it starts off really pretty scary and then i think they kind of like ease you back down they 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 bring you off the uh that like the juice you know yeah yeah and this i mean I feel like we're kind of talking about these as a genre, these Jiangxi movies, which if you don't know what that means, they it usually means hopping vampires, which they're not like Western vampires. They don't bite you with the purpose of drinking your blood. They're trying to steal your chi or your life force, which keeps them alive. But in a lot of these, there's a crossover between vampires and ghosts. And there are also very specific rules around what the ghosts can and can't do and who can and can't see them. But they similarly, even if they're friendly ghosts, will drain your life force, which is, you know, something that shows up in Encounter of the Sp- Encounters of the Spooky Kind 2 and yeah. some of the later ones we're going to talk about. I, I love that what, what you were saying is absolutely right, that these movies are a little unapproachable at first because there's so much of like Chinese culture and myth that's just wrapped into them and they don't ever explain it. So you almost... No exposition. You have to watch... All of them. uh, All of them. (laughs) At least like a fucking dozen of them before you're like, okay, so this is what the hopping vampires do, the Zhangxi, and this is how like you get rid of them, how you expel them. And they like, they do sometimes play fast and loose with some of the rules and there's a lot of fucking rules. But but they don't take them too seriously. And usually they I feel like they get tied to the rules to use them most often for comedy. Like, yeah, this this is why you can't do this. Yeah. Or like there's that great scene in Encounter the Spooky Kind where and we can explain more of the plot in a little bit. But basically, Sam O'Hung is staying in this haunted temple And this Taoist priest is going to help him out and gives him this sort of whole ritual he has to follow to keep the vampire from killing him. And it involves getting a dozen chicken eggs and these other ingredients. But there's this running gag, like a cheap shopkeeper who's out of some of the ingredients swaps some other things in. And it's like they use it again in Mr. Vampire. And it's just so good because it's like he's expecting this spell to work and it is working. And much like what John was saying with the whole Jack in the Box thing, it's almost the reverse of that horror situation, but with comedy where it's like, you know, it's going to go wrong. You just don't know when or exactly what's going to happen. So you're already. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That's what comedy and horror. They're pretty much interlinked where you you set something up. And now you just have the audience kind of waiting for that payoff. Yeah. And then sometimes you kind of like pull the rug out from under them and that makes them either laugh or shriek. And, and this it's the same thing with, with like horror and sex. Why a lot of those things are tied. It's like that tension, that build up. And 
Same thing with a good joke. One day I'll know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys want to back up a little bit and kind of run through encounter what exactly it is yeah Yeah. so it's if you've ever seen the russian classic v vi how am i saying that i think it's the v v uh it's this really great spooky ghost movie that is just terrific i think it's based on a chekhov story it's definitely based on a story the guy with a gun yes wow no isn't it somebody named gogol g-o-g-o-l yes it is a gogol story gogol is awesome Gogol is sort of like the Russian precursor to Kafka. A lot of his stories are very existential, but he definitely dipped into horror and all yeah. kinds of creepiness. So in V, it's about this, uh, not priest, but it's some like Russian religious man with a funny haircut. Uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not getting too technical here. But basically, he has to spend three nights, three consecutive nights in this haunted house and he is he has all these ways to like fight back whatever's in there and he does all this stuff and the movie's just terrific it's, it's like so a, it's a great amusement park ride of a movie and it doesn't feel as old as as it is or as russian as it is i mean not that russian cinema is not bad but it feels really, super russian well but, it, it does but it's not fucking 3 hours long and there's some cuts there's some wacky effects like it's not the imagery like the horror imagery looks very mario bava to me yeah oh absolutely and encounter of the spooky kind plays with that plot line where samo hung is this really really brave man and he's very poor and his wife is unfaithful and there's all kinds of stuff going on and he but he's also his like brave man routine is more of a routine and his friends are always trying to scare him and they goad him into like doing all this spooky stuff because he's like you know courageous courageous chung courageous chung and eventually they're like okay we're gonna give you 10 gold pieces if you can stay in the haunted house for one night and you know hijinks ensue and then the very next day, the next morning when he crawls out of the place when the, you know, rooster crows, immediately he agrees to do it again, like kind of without thinking. But it's also woven into this plot. And I feel like something that we should say about all of these sort of Zhangxi ghost comedies is there is a plot, but the movies don't always care. It's like they wander in and out of the plot as needed, and they don't really care to follow it closely at all times. Yeah. But in this one, part of what's baked into his spooky encounters at the haunted house or the haunted temple is his wife is having an affair with a local magistrate who hires Samo's character to like drive him around to his tryst and be his cover. So it's this whole like really fucked up story about how they're cheating this poor guy and taking advantage of how good natured he is, which shows up in so many Samo movies. But the magistrate wants to get rid of Samo once and for all. So he hires a priest to put a spell on Samo and use this uh, vampire corpse who's in the haunted temple to wake up in the middle of the night and kill him. And Samo's like, or he has his like guardian angel who's yeah. like feeding him spells and like giving him like shit to do. And like that he's guy's the guy the that best. he's so good. He's so whimsical. Yeah, he's definitely a precursor to Mr. Vampire. As as the guy who has all the answers, he's like the ultimate Chinese ghostbuster. Well, he's the evil priest's like second in command. Yeah, yeah they bring on like the their leader died and the evil priest took over 
but since he was greedy, he would do anything for money. And this guy is like, no, we, we got to stay righteous. And that's why he's helping. Sam. And I love how like righteous, like always the good guys, like they do what they got to do when it comes to fucking dogs. Yeah. And when it comes to, uh, they, oh yeah. they hack off a lot of fucking chicken heads in these movies. Just, just Yeah, you know. there's a lot of animal violence throughout these, but a lot of it is used, or I would say 99% of it is used in a ritual religious context. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little. It goes down a little smoother when like you can see. Okay, they're doing this because that's the only way to get these fucking spirits. Do you, you remember know, all hyped up? We had a coworker when we worked at a pizza place. Woke up in the middle of the night, looked at his neighbor's backyard, and saw them cutting off chicken heads and stuff in some ritual. And he taped it and played it for me. It's the same thing, yeah. basically, yeah, or was, the same principle. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on a fucking farm. I've cut off some chicken yeah. heads. Honestly, those things pop right off. They just go right off. They're barely hanging well, on to anything. you had that weird guillotine thing. It wasn't a guillotine. It's like kind of like a traffic cone flipped upside down. And oh, you my kind God. Of... All right, all right, all right. Don't worry well, about we it. We just watched a bunch of movies with a lot of this going on. Yeah, but the That's blood is on, on our hands now, or our hands. Well, the movie hands. was made before we were born, so we can't be complicit. We're just witnesses. Well, I, I also do think this is one of my favorites of these movies. I mean, it's something that I could watch over and over again. I think, and we talked about this a little bit on the Category 3 Untold Story episode, I think I just have developed a real love for movies that have all these tonal shifts and include a lot of different genre elements and that's exactly what's going on here. It's just martial arts and comedy instead of, you know, extreme gore and crazy humor. For and sure. there is crazy humor, but it's more physical it humor. It does take a little while to get that taste for these movies or just to kind of like realize that like, oh, they're almost like a rambling conversation or it's like what we're doing. You know, we got something we want to talk about, but somehow or another, you know... Yeah, you almost get the sense that they came up with scenes that they thought would be cool that they wanted to film, like the set pieces. Oh, yeah. And sort of wove a plot around them. And that's the movie. And it does take a little getting used to. But I just, I feel like at this point, and like some of them aren't as great as Encounter of the Spooky Kind. Like we'll talk about Haunted Cop Shop later and oh, some yeah. of the spinoffs. But it's so hard for me not to really enjoy these now that i do have the sure. the fever i wonder if the audiences over there had more appreciation for just going to the movies and enjoying something as opposed to over here where it's like the narrative must have a thrust i'm sitting down you need to tell me the story i and need exposition yeah. i need you to explain everything that's happening and why and that's all the movie can be is the story and anything else is just filler well, well, I guess over there it's like no, stop for ten minutes and have comedy. We want an experience, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like you like Sammo Hung, you know this. So again, here he is, baby. Look what he's doing. Sammo he's, Hung is the greatest. He's terrific. He I, really is. I get that Jackie Chan is also wonderful and is the one who achieved sort of more international fame, but I don't know what it is about Sammo. And we were talking it's about this a little. He's fucking big. He's yeah. a big guy. He but he's looks so like graceful. A kid. You know, he looks yeah. childish, and that's what like it warms your heart. Yeah, and his characters are all maybe not all of them, but often they're they're just good guys, and like sometimes they have these impulses to be lecherous or, you know, 
not so great, but it's like his good inner nature always wins out in every movie and he's just the best. Yeah, he really is. I I mean, and just like the way he moves, it's just like, for one, obviously you don't expect some fucking big dude to be able to do a backflip so gracefully. I love watching him do his thing, you know? Yeah, I never get tired of it. And I know the first time that I, that I saw him, I mean, the first time that I really kind of clocked him, it pulled the rug out from under me. I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, how come no one knows this guy? And I'm like, and then like, John, you looked at me, you're like, everybody knows this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I discovered him. He had his own television show called Martial Law. It came out when I was like 11 or 12. It was him and Arsenio Hall. What? What? Yeah, it was on CBS. And, and they even had a- what? Um, a crossover episode with Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, which you just showed yeah. us part yeah. of. And, wow. Uh, yeah, it lasted for two seasons. It, wow. And it was actually no going to go on, but Samo wanted uh, final say on the scripts because they said in the second season, um, they just made him a fighting machine. They didn't really give him much character. Well, and he, in most of the Hong Kong movies, at least that I've seen him in, he does a lot of fighting, but it's it's not like American action movies at all. There's all kinds of actual acting required. Like there are scenes of melodrama and romance and tragedy. And yeah, so he gets to do a lot more than just punch people. He's been around for a long time. Like if you watch old like Kung Fu movies from the 70s, he's like always. Yeah. Not in always. The but yeah. You yeah. see him like in a gang. He's in The Man from Hong Kong. He's like the first drug smuggler. That Jimmy Wang Yu beats up. Wow. Yeah, he's I always mean, showing up. I feel like those guys who grew up going to the Beijing Opera School and that's where they learned choreography and how to fight. It, it's yeah. like I and we we've talked about this a lot, but I just love how they sort of work as a unit and everybody seems to do different things. I mean, one week Samo's directing a movie and you know jackie's showing up for a bit and and then like Don't you forget know you and bow and you and bow and it's it's so nice what you just said i mean yeah the way they work together and a lot of times the movies almost feel like they were directed by the same guy and they're i mean they're wonderfully directed that's not a slight and it's because they're learning together and they're working together i mean there is like unique voices of course throughout the genre and to me that's kind of like the best parts of communism and Chinese communism, especially like at the time where it's, we're all sharing the burden of this job and we're all like focused on it. And there's no but weak also link. sharing in the, glory, in the glory in the sense that different people sometimes will write the screenplay. And sometimes Samo would take the back seat and do the fight choreography, and sometimes he would just be in an opening scene. Yeah, I, and I remember like when I also like first started getting my my toes wet in this genre, and the first time I saw Eric Sang in a movie, who's kind of like another like pudgy guy who's often playing someone with like a lisp or is kind of effeminate and like is kind of the butt of jokes. And then I realized that like, and then he's like directing movies that Samo was starring in, and he's like writing other films too. Like, no one person is above another and that's just it's great it is great and i love reading stories about what it was like to work with samo especially in the 80s and it's like that it seems like everybody just had great experiences like he there are these really touching stories of when 
they were all like teenagers performing and Samo was a little bit older than everyone. So maybe he was starting to get more film work and would come back to the school and like give all of his younger brothers allowances from the money he made. It's just like all of the stories are endearing. Yeah. But you also, you just get that vibe from looking at him. You bring Samo to the learn the picking opera. And then my grandpa say, okay, you can, we can try. And then bring me, bring me to the, to the, to the picking opera school. And that time I saw some kids in, in the school, you know, about four and five kids in there. They jumping, whatever. So we're funny, you know. Oh, then I come back home later. I told my grandma, I want to go. You know, I want to go to picking opera school. Then, then two weeks later, uh, my grandparents, uh, they bring me to the school. They were side country. I stayed there one week later. Oh, I called my grandma. I want to go home. <laughs> because it's so hard in the school, you know. The, my master, they, every day be me. <laughs> and one day we have, uh, we have uh, some teachers. But he is work on the film business, do some stuntman. And then one day, he came in to talk to my master. Can he bring Samo to be a stuntman, you know, to learn, you know? Then my master loved to do that because they got paid, you know, my master happy. <laughs> I, I forget the title, but there's a film that I think either Samo Hung directed or, and it's about his time in the Peking Opera School, the Peking, the Beijing Opera School. And I think like it's about him and Jackie Chan when they were kids. No, I know. I don't and it's like this. a straight drama just about like their time in school. And oh. Samo plays like the like the headmaster or some teacher. I guess they had. I'm really I forget the title. Sorry, I'm just bringing up a movie I don't know anything about. Yeah, but. I think you were telling me about this, and you were saying that the movie makes it seem like their experience was brutal and Samo gave an interview to say that like it was way more brutal in real life but wow. like that's that's why they're all trained so well is because the I mean the opera schools in the 60s and 70s and 80s are where most of the on-screen fighters in Hong Kong movies and Chinese movies come from but the program was brutal like rigorous like way worse than any western ballet school because you had to learn how to do everything yeah i mean western ballet schools are no joke from what i hear they are no joke i'm so excited after the shooting i went back to to school that i would be director on the in the school you know i would tell the the younger okay i'm mean like that you guys like that the camera is like that we, blah, 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 blah. we learn you know and then i'm it's a very interesting about the movie business that time was a lot of lot of chance to work, work for the film, you know, for be a stuntman. So of course I leave out of school. Of course I will be a stuntman either too, you know. And then I continue work on the on the on the film business because I was so interesting the film business. I will learn everything. I will see every position, you know, the camera position, the director position, action choreographer position, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm not very long, I, I can be the assistant choreographer, you know. And not too long, then I will be, I will be action choreographer. I think that also sort of leads to why Encounter of the Spooky Kind is so amazing and so influential because it's sort of, to John's point, it kind of comes a little bit after he's 
getting his feet wet and all of these Shaw Brothers and sort of early Golden Harvest movies. And he's finally kind of going out on his own and making his first big masterpiece. And it's just so massively influential. It's, I mean, that's what really like is kind of a shock, at least to me, is how this movie came out and then every single week for the rest of everyone's lives in Hong Kong, another one of these movies came out. And they weren't, I mean, like, you can't just call them knockoffs because they started doing their own things. And it's like, it's not like fucking Encounter the Spooky Kind invented Jiangxi or anything. It was just the first one to do it in this way that it's like, holy shit, bring the family, bring the kids, you know, have a spooky good time. There's something for everyone, I think. There is, there is. And there is a little bit of sexual content, but it's still sort of family friendly, aside from the... The, the ending the very scene. Ending, uh, <laughs> well, listen, uh, <laughs> listeners, uh, we are not going to spoil the ending of this movie, even no. if you've even if you've seen it before and you kind of watch forget, it again. But like a lot of these movies have just the perfect freeze frame endings, and this one might be the best, the very best, just the fucking creme de la creme of the freeze frame ending. And. I think part of what makes it so great is in this movie and in so many of these Sammo movies, people are always taking advantage of his character. But at the end, he sort of Mm -mm. strikes back. Yeah. (laughs) In a literal sense. These movies all, (laughs) the endings just, oh my fucking God. You guys are praising this ending. A bunch of people are going to watch it and come back. This is it. We're canceled. We're done. Well, (laughs) I I mean more than just the freeze frame. There's just such a great like black magic final fight showdown where some guy gets set on fire and is filmed for like 60 seconds and then thrown off a second story building. That was kind of rough to watch. Uh, I remember like watching that scene with this guy's on fire and like after like a minute of it, I'm like, Someone needs to put him out, okay? <laughs> like, someone needs to fucking put him out. And I can see there's, like, Samuel yeah. Holmes, like, pointing in the background, like, keep roll this way. You're getting out of frame. Like, dude. <laughs> it's it's don't go in the house levels of fucking yeah, fire there's some shit. fire violence for sure. Yeah, it's... <laughs> there's a lot of... But it's it's also... I feel like we should stress, for anyone who hasn't seen a lot of these movies... They're not at all like the Category 3 movies where there is a lot of violence, but it's sort of playful violence. Yeah. People don't die very often. People die hardly ever in these movies. So there are a few Category 3 Zhangxi films out there, or at least, I mean, there are so many of these movies where, like, like this was so influential that you would be watching just like any regular old-timey set kung fu movie and, you know... a a Taoist priest is going to walk by with a couple hopping guys, hopping vampires that he has under his like thrall Which behind I, him. It makes me so I happy. I love to it. See I those love seeing those hoppies just show up in like a kung fu movie for like five minutes. Yeah, they have their happens. scene. There's you know? this great one called The Black Tavern, which is like a quasi sequel to The Lady Hermit. And halfway through it, hopping vampires just show up. Gosh. And they For have no nothing reason. to do with the movie. Yeah. They're, just, they're just there. Yeah. Because we love happens. to see them. Well, we they, love to see them. They, they do kind of come in again later, but for the most part, like when they show up, it's just like matter of fact. Yeah. And I think that is also an important point. Like, this didn't come out of nowhere. As we mentioned, you know, the Zhangxi are related to uh, folklore and mythology and stuff, but also. Like John was just saying, there are a number of 70s Shaw Brothers movies that 
kind of start to veer into that fantasy horror territory and they become less straightforward wuja historical films like I keep saying over and over again that we've got to watch the Magic Blade. I know, which I, I, we're watching yeah, it this I know, season. I know, I know, I know. But that that's definitely one that includes these horror elements, sort of out of nowhere, and doesn't really bother to explain them to you. You're just like, all right, Devil's Grandma, here she is. Demons, vampires, sometimes mummies. Are the Shaw Brothers the first ones to put them in contemporary times? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. With, I, with what? The Black Magic movies. Oh, right, right. Even, Absolutely. And even like Seating of a Ghost and Boxer's Omen, Bewitched. Yeah. That was I the mean, first one. Boxer's Omen is so unique in that like it feels like a classic Shaw Brothers fight 'em up kind of flick and then and then it's just and then it's psychotic not. and it's absolutely psychotic you were saying earlier that uh encounter of the spooky kind is not the boxer's omen and you're right but i kind of want to push back i feel like that encounter of the spooky kind feels like the response to that film but for the family it, it has like that crazy like green light flashy psycho battle and just like that anything goes like there is no ground for you to stand on because anything is possible in any scene and that's just it's so magical but it feels kind of like the boxer's omen with a little less well encounter was was first yeah really yeah encounter yeah. was 80 oh wow boxer's omen, they're like 81 and 82 and and like when you consider boxer's omen and seating of a ghost even though they're two different movies, I kind of put them together. There's similar things going on. Yeah. Similarly psycho. You know, early 80s was horror movie craze. You know, slasher sure. movies, the For thing. Sure. You know, and they were really like, we're going to do that. We're going to fucking... Yeah, The Evil Dead was a huge hit in Hong Kong. Yeah, and you can definitely see that in this. Because, like, Boxer's Omen, it's... it's You got two slices of bread. One of them's Evil Dead. The other one's Gates of Hell. And you just slam it together. <laughs> and it's just as like... Is this another sandwich recipe <laughs> yes, from you? Yes. <laughs> it's just like... But it's just this like hyperactive, putrescent, nasty fucking slime movie. Yeah. And I would really love for us to do a separate standalone episode on Shaw Brothers horror and definitely on some of those Cat 3 Black Magic movies because I feel like they while they all sort of stem from the same source they all are I think trying to do very different things like if you don't you know if you don't like that kind of graphic gory horror then you should watch Encounter of a Spooky Kind or Mr. Vampire or things that we're going to talk more about in this episode and going to the Mr. Vampire series it definitely I mean all of these movies took a while to grow on me and the Mr. Vampire movies to be completely honest never really did grow on me like give it time well, I, I've given it plenty of time. I, I watched the first one years ago with you, John, and I didn't love it then. And then recently I watched it again. And as soon as it was over, I was like, okay, yeah, I didn't love that. I'm going to watch a second one. And as soon as that one was over, I'm like, okay, I wasn't really a big fan. I got to watch a third one. And then I realized I'm like, fuck, I'm watching every single fucking movie in this series. Yeah, there are like, like well, 10 well, of them. And I realized that like even when they're not like resonating with me the way that some other films do they obviously are 
Yeah, you're vibing with I'm them. I'm fucking vibing with them. I'm watching every one, and I have this like forward march. Like I know I need to watch every fucking Jiangxi movie I can possibly. And see. there are so many just nuts ones. Plus, also, I think once you, it's sort of like with Samo. Once you fall in love with Lam Ching Ying who is Mr. Vampire and is like the ultimate iconic, you know, Buddhist priest, ghost, vampire killing figure in all these movies. And he is in Encounter of the Spooky Kind looking very young to the point where I at first we him. were like, wait, is that him? Yeah. But he's just an inspector there. But in Mr. Vampire, I think is where he really came into his yeah. own and wears this great unibrow makeup in almost or like hair piece in almost all of these it's he just Honestly, he's wonderful he has a great gag in encounter though when the they tell him don't like samo's hiding from him in a oh coffin, yeah and they're like and the guy's like trying to distract him he's like you don't want to look in that coffin it's really gross that, that corpse is ultra decayed now he's like, he has to look because all his men are standing there. So he turns his back, opens the coffin, looks in, but his eyes are closed. Like squeezed yeah. so dramatically. So Samo Hung's yeah. looking at him. He's like, I guess he can't see me because his eyes are closed. And then like he closes the coffin lid and opens them and then turns back to his men. And everybody's like, oh, wow, he looked at that gross yeah. corpse. He's so brave. But he has some line of dialogue like, it's horrible. You don't want to look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, wait a second. Before we fully move on to Mr. Vampire, we should also say that there's a second Encounters of the Spooky Kind movie that has Sammo and Lam Ching Ying still in it. And I think, you know, we just watched it and I expected it to be like cute, but fine, but it's actually kind of great. Yeah. To me, Encounters of the Spooky Kind too. Not in. I like how they add a fucking S to it. Yeah, there's a lot of titles to these movies. It's a little confusing. Yeah, it's spooky encounters in the U.S. Yeah, in the first one, which is why I kept insisting that it was Encounters of the Spooky Kind one, but it's really Encounter of the Spooky Kind one and Encounters of the Spooky Kind. Honestly, it's a fucking absolute miracle that I haven't called it Close Encounters of the Spooky Kind three or whatever. Well, Close Encounters of the Spooky Kind is another alternative. Get the fuck out of here! I'm not making that up. It It is is another U.S. title. Uh, Because uh, what Close Encounters of the Third Kind was seventy seventy seven, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then Close Encounters of the Dangerous Kind. Or Dangerous da- Encounters of, of, the, of the First Kind. kind. Okay, yes. all right, all right. Yeah. We're getting a little... Well, that's a Cat 3 movie, right? Oh, yeah. That's uh, Choi Hark's, like, one of his early films. Yeah, I think that's his first movie. Yeah. And it has a... I haven't seen it because there's a brutal, real mouse death in it. Mouse? Yeah. John, come on. There are a lot of cute mice in Encounter of the Spooky Kind that don't die. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Speaking of Hark, and while we're talking about these type of movies, though, we should bring up We Are Going to Eat You. Oh, yeah. Which I have still never seen. You would love this, it. I think this is the season. This is it. Yeah, it you're, is. you're, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. I do want a quick backpedal to clo- the second Close Encounter movie. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the, of the spooky kind. Of the spooky kind. Richard Dreyfuss. Um, <laughs> so I definitely was expecting it to just be like a lesser sequel cash-in type movie. It came like 10 years after the first one. And is Ricky Lau, not directed by Sammo, but to me, it feels like the best sequel to Mr. Vampire, 
where Lanchi... But you haven't seen all the Mr. Vampires. I know, I know, I know. But I have, and it, I wouldn't say it's the best sequel of Mr. Vampire. But it's it, good. But it definitely feels more like a Mr. Vampire movie than a sequel to Encounters of Spooky Kinds. Yeah. Because it's, it's a standalone sequel. It's not, like, connected to the movie anyway. It just has Sammo in yeah, it. Yeah, after Encounter of the Spooky Kind came out in 1980, and then the explosion of these Hong Kong ghost movies occurred, Mr. Vampire was the fucking the gold standard you know like every movie that followed after that kind of felt like it was more inspired by that than it was encounters of the spooky kind yeah and which is why when sammo goes to make his sequel finally bringing in lam ching ying was just like he had to he had to but there's just the greatest opening which you know turns out to be a dream sequence but it's like sammo in a haunted house on his honeymoon and there's a vampire corpse that wakes up and the vampire corpse all he wants is to smoke his fucking opium pipe oh yeah oh gosh <laughs> yeah. that's so great i love opium smoking fucking hopping vampire zhang chi it's just if you go by return of living dead rules you can feel yourself rotting so i imagine opium <laughs> takes the edge yeah. off yeah But wait, we're going to eat you oh, also. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's yeah. just, I mean, there's so many awesome Hong Kong. Like, that one's not really a ghost movie. Yeah. It's, it's a, a cannibal, cannibal flick. It's Jackie Chan versus cannibals, but not Jackie Chan, but that style of kung fu humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This very Jackie Chan style of kung fu. And I think the reason why that movie stands out so much is because the kung fu is fucking terrific. Like, it's, it's a definitely a fun comedy, action comedy. But when they start fucking fighting, it's top tier kung fu. It's just like glorious. The scene where he rolls a fucking it. cigarette off up a guy's face during a fight scene, you know we're watching something special here. Yeah, but there's also great gags. I mean, there's a fight scene in in the human slaughterhouse that has so many great like dismembered limb g- gags oh in it. Oh, it's yeah. like a Three Stooges gag. Yes. where like the guy chops <laughs> his hand off. And he like screams and looks at his severed hand, and then the camera pulls back a little bit, and it's just a, another severed hand. Yeah, and somebody <laughs> else's <laughs> severed hand. He thought his, severed, his hand got cut off. Oh my god! Uh, I always laugh at that. It's so good. Yeah, we are going to eat you. What yeah, a great movie! I will have to watch it. You're this gonna Halloween. love it. You're gonna love but it. But I, I also do feel like the Mr. Vampire movies make use of those sort of similar. Jiangxi vampire gags, where it's like. Once you've seen enough of them, you sort of expect them, but they don't get old. No. Like, they're still funny every time, especially, like, when somebody... So, if you haven't seen any of these movies, one really important piece are these uh, sort of charm papers. They're, They're prayer charms that a priest will make out for you. They're on these yellow strips of paper. They usually have red writing on them. They get stuck to a Zhangxi or sometimes to like a ghost corpse. Yeah. And it makes them either inanimate or they follow the priest's control. Yeah, they're and in they're the priest's thrall. All these gags about the prayer charms getting switched around or mixed up or accidentally coming off of the vampires. Yeah, like, I love when they have, huh. in Mr. Vampire, when they have one prayer charm and they got like two vampires coming uh. at them and they got to keep moving them around. <laughs> and it's just like... And that's why they lend themselves to these like these kung fu movies is because the the action is just like 
flying at you with this like folklore stuff like tied into it and it's it's really really fun it's really fun like trying to like piece together like okay like especially when you don't know what you're watching you know and like and now that i finally like understand like whenever i put one of these movies on now i don't have that kind of confused like okay what the fuck is that like piece of paper you know right like what are they doing to that frog you know i know what they're (laughs) doing to the frog now like i i I figured it out you know i've yeah and i i do think if you watch encounter the spooky kind and mr vampire and one of my favorites is magic cop which is a sequel to mr vampire that feels a lot like encounters of the spooky kind 2 where lam ching ying is sort of this priest for hire who's taking care of like the supernatural trouble if you watch some of those they like john was saying they don't really have exposition but they because it's like working through this priest for higher plot they give you a better idea of what's going on and how okay here are these rituals that people have to follow like mr vampire makes a lot of comedy around his two apprentices who are learning to become priests and so they know some of the rituals but some of the others they don't so they're like learning as the movie goes I like how they assume that, I mean, I'm guessing these movies were not made for import audiences because, no, right. I, it, they're hard to find, first of all. I mean, even, when I was a kid, like when I'd read like Psychotronic Encyclopedia or something, if there was anything like this in there, I could never find it in a video store. Yeah. I, I don't even think Psychotronic would have covered it. I'm guessing like if I found like a Hong Kong one because uh, I used to get like the Eastern Shores bootleg catalogs oh, yeah. and they would be in there. And I'm like, I've never heard of any of this shit. It's a, uh, still a magical wellspring even right. now, 30, 40 years later. Or did I say Eastern Shores? I meant to say Ocean Shores. Ocean Shores. Ocean, Ocean Shores. Shores. That's yeah, right. Yeah, with the little seahorse guy. I kind of like how they don't explain it because it's just from an outsider looking in it makes it that much more insane and like also on the flip side how many modern vampire werewolf movies do you see where they go and reiterate all the rules again oh my god every i was just thinking like even from the beginning from like universal's dracula it's like half the fucking movie is somebody coming along some sort of outsider expert coming along but instead of just trying to solve things like Lam Ching Ying's character always does they have to break it down to the protagonists here are the rules and here's how we kill this person where he's like yo get 10 chicken eggs get four puppies paws and some black dog blood and you just got to throw it in the coffin there's always like especially here there's always a scene where nobody believes it obviously because you know vampires don't exist which is always comedy gold right and the, but over there it's taken for granted it's like yes of course there's a vampire in that coffin i don't want to stay here tonight well and the best i think in something like haunted cop shop which you know as we said or as we sort of suggested is one of these spin-offs. i think from 87 so a couple years later it's definitely not as great the comedy is stupider but the way that they play those disbelief scenes it's these two idiot cops encounter this vampire and their supervisor thinks that it's not a real vampire, that they're just lazy trying to get out of work because they're always lazy trying to get out of work. I can relate. Yes. And when it's unveiled that it is actually a vampire, 
he's like, oh, okay, of course. Yeah. And so there's not the same level of disbelief or like shock that the supernatural is real. Like they have this female supervisor who has this really funny line where she says like, you know, I grew up in this household where logic and science were instilled, but she spends like five minutes in a haunted house with this. I think he's supposed to be a Japanese vampire dressed like Dracula. And yeah. she's like, the supernatural's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these movies are great. And I feel like, I don't know if this is a, an accurate description or not, but I feel like maybe by like the late 80s, they were starting to run out of steam just because the market was so flooded with them. And there's so many of them. Like, I mean, I, we just got done watching like a six movie marathon and- a week ago, I was just like watching like one every other night, and I haven't even scratched the surface. There's so so many, and my assumption is is that they started to kind of run out of steam by the late '80s, and then when a Chinese ghost story came out, it changed the fucking game all over again. In the same way that Encounter of the Spooky Kind did in 1980, when a Chinese ghost story came out. Now, every single movie in its wake was basing their, their act after It was that. that booster rocket for the genre. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And for so many other genres. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The thing about a Chinese ghost story that's so interesting is that, like, it's not... I mean, it is a Chinese ghost story. It does have your... Uh, it's not really hopping vampires in it so much as it is just, no, like... No, it's way more... And I think maybe this is why it feels so different from encounter of the spooky kind is it's way it's way more focused on ghosts and ghost mythology and characters sort of going into this other world like other dimension which doesn't really happen the, the in the Jiangxi movies yeah. it reminded me more of do you guys remember zoo warriors of oh the magic mountain oh my god oh for sure is that I the love subtitle that movie or, yes. yeah you got it's it it's the Choi hark yeah. yeah if you haven't seen that movie it's from what 82 yeah it's early it's 80s. an early wuja film that, oh my god but it has that like fantasy element to it well Choi hark was a producer on a chinese ghost story and even though he didn't direct it, you can see his fingerprints yeah. on it for sure. It has a, a great like momentum moving things along. It definitely feels like one of his movies. I think also it has that sort of late 80s shift towards Cat 3 where all of a sudden people are allowed to include more sexual content. So it's like... It's still a ghost comedy with humor and horror elements like Encounter. But it's very erotic. It's so different. Yeah. And, and the eroticism that's in it isn't really derived from like ever showing you the act because I think the two lovers like don't even fucking kiss in the movie. Well, they have this sort of underwater Leslie Chung is hiding in a bathtub bucket and the yeah. ghost kisses him to, to like give, give him, him oxygen some oxygen, or something. and I yeah. think that's all we get. No, he he gets a he gets a look at her boobs. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very erotic. Yeah, romantic. You but know? like the eroticism, it, it comes from these like very like beautiful dresses and things flying onto people. Way more wuja feeling. You can see where that like the thread from Encounter of the Spooky Kind all the way to movies like. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Hero, and those like late 90s wuja films. And the connecting tissue and thread is a Chinese ghost story. And it might be my favorite movie of this genre. It's so magical. It's, just, it's gorgeous. And, it, and not only is it gorgeous, 
it's literally it's like the last half of it is the evil dead yeah and it has so many great practical effects like there's a fucking tree monster they go to hell the stop motion corpses oh they're wonderful yeah oh my gosh they're they're really really cool they look like the stop motion corpses in in army of darkness yeah which i love i love those fucking skeleton boys yeah they're they're great that type of effect would show up in some of the cat three movies like lamb guy kai i think saw Chinese ghost story in 87 and then immediately afterwards like a year or two afterwards made erotic ghost story which has a lot of those effects but way more graphic softcore sex yeah because there is that like 1988 shift into cat 3 and like what you could do with these movies but I just love that they don't get rid of the comedy elements. Even Hollywood got in the game with like the like ripping off the camera work. If you look at like late nineties, like The Matrix and Blade, they were doing that like Absolutely. totally swooping. borrowing from yeah. Choi Hark. Oh, I think. for sure, for sure, that is so true and and so apparent. Well, I know in the Matrix's defense, like they they were blatant about it being influential. Not just that, but they got Yoon Woon Ping to do right. the choreography. Yeah, like yeah. they they went to Hong Kong and were like, Kong "Give us your treasures." <laughs> For sure. A smart move on their part. I, I would have done the same thing. Why why rip it off when you can just fucking it, exactly. get it? And like I feel like you get away with it more if you're honest about your inspiration. Yes, and I I do think also we didn't say a Chinese ghost story starts with kind of the same plot where it's like this guy who's down on his luck by sort of providence winds up staying the night or having to stay the night at this haunted temple and he runs into a Buddhist priest who's like get the hell out of here and encounters a hot ghost played by Joey Wong. Oh my god. These movies are so horny. Everyone they wants are. to fuck a ghost. Have you guys seen Chinese Torture Chamber story? No. Oh. So you have like it it's a it's a fuck scene that plays like a fight scene because you have the two gods of love flying into each other, oh, penetrating like... each other, but like aggressively trying to get the other one off first. It's like Eternal <laughs> Evil of Asia. Oh yeah. There's a scene there are multiple scenes like that yeah. in Eternal Evil of Asia, which is a, a cat a wild cat three movie that has some guy whose head is transformed into a dick at some point <laughs> by an angry wizard. Oh god. <laughs> These you, you don't want to piss off wizards. Yeah. You I, really don't. I mean, there are and this is why I think we really need to do a separate episode on some of the cat three black magic ones because they're just so far afield from encounter the spooky kind and have so many wonderful things Yeah, you can see the the like influence and back and forth with some of the black magic movies and these like ghost stories but the black magic ones kind of exist in a different plane although i I gotta say encounters of the spooky kind too the sequel felt very much so like a black magic movie because they always yeah, have those more. like blasting lights out of your fingers and like crazy like mind meld battles between two wizards that are flying in like Does the Doesn't devil plane. fetus have that? You sort of. <laughs> I, I was know, about I to bring up devil, devil fetus because I was thinking. I was reading your mind. Devil Fetus isn't Golden Harvest or Shaw Brothers. I think that's another company that was just getting in it. Well, there was like a million of these companies that were that would like make a movie or two, and then a stuntman would get um, 
injured and they would just dissolve the company so they wouldn't have to, you know, pay any insurance. <laughs> fucking Christ. And, uh, that checks out. So that's why, you know, you ever notice you watch these movies and like a lot of them, you just see like some company in the beginning, the name you've never heard before and you'll never see again. <laughs> we should also talk about some more of the of the family friendly ghost movies that oh, were Sam, I see what you're what you're getting at here. What I really want to do here. Okay. So, like I said earlier, la- yesterday we did a little mini marathon with some of our friends and we watched some great Hong Kong ghost stories and But we tried to keep like a a focus on comedies and family friendly yeah yeah i had a cat three movie in the list that we didn't get to the most family friendly movie had a child (laughs) murder in it (laughs) no there's another family friendly movie happy ghost oh yeah yeah but that still felt more mature than the one with the child murder so when i was digging for movies for our little marathon uh i came across one called the happy ghost and and lo and behold, there's five of them. And I never heard about this series until like a few days ago. And and usually, like, I feel like I got my finger on, on the pulse of these movies a little bit because I've been digging for so long. But when all of a sudden I hear about a fucking five film series that I never heard of, it's like, OK, eh, we got to we got to do a little a little uh, spelunking here into the world of Raymond Wong. And so I, I opened up our marathon with the happy ghost. Cause I kind of, I, I assumed it was going to be the dud of the day that it was going to be like, okay, let's, let's open with whatever, you know, just to kind of get a feel here. And <laughs> I mean, it's delightful. It's, yeah. it's almost like, I don't know. It's like an eighties high school comedy that has some like coming of age and sex comedy moments and like high school is difficult meets Casper the Friendly Ghost Hong Kong edition. Yeah. It's it's almost like for anybody who's seen Haosu, and I you know, I have to imagine that everyone listening has. And if you At haven't point, yeah. pause the episode and go watch Haosu, which is a psychotic nineteen seventy seven Japanese psychedelic ghost story movie but it's centered on this group of five female friends and happy ghost is about three female friends who are kind of like having a tough time in high school and they go have this overnight no parents camping trip on a haunted beach but there's a storm so they're driven into yet another haunted temple and they take home a rope which is possessed by this happy ghost. Yes, this happy ghost scholar who killed himself like 200 years before. Yeah, that's the opening is him hanging yeah. himself. <laughs> so it's a happy little movie, but like he becomes their best friend superpower kind of it's Yeah, it, it feels like weird science meets the Jiangxi genre. And it's just so goofy fun like they they fucking kind of enslave that ghost. They, they enslave do. the ghost so he can help them with their like track and field meet and, and their, their tests homework and, and the getting boys a boyfriend. And, and he does it. I mean, he does I it mean, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you know he's a little sloppy with his work sometimes, but you know that's par well, for the course. Obviously, his heart isn't in it because he's enslaved. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> he enslaved happy ghost. <laughs> it's demented though. Like I can't believe how much I liked it. 
Me, me neither. I, I, I kind of think that's because it was the first movie of the day, and we were just excited to be hanging out. Like, There's I'm, that great part because, like, yeah, he killed himself 200 years ago, so he's in that like temple for 200 years, and he goes to the track and field meet, and he's like walking around confused, and then a plane flies by, and he starts <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Uh, he also seems to be really like if this was more like encounter the spooky kind or haunted cop shop or things like that there would be scenes where he's kind of lecherous because he's around a bunch of teenage girls but the movie totally avoids any of that and he seems sort of like creeped out by their sexuality and like doesn't want any parts of it but yeah. like helps the one girl find a boyfriend, except the boy is a total asshole, takes her virginity, tries to leave her, wants nothing to do with it when she's pregnant. But then the ghost like sets everything right. It, it, it does. <laughs> he doesn't even set her up with a boyfriend. He sets her up with a one night stand he does. in her Hello Kitty bed. <laughs> and yeah, and their their dialogue is so great. Like. When she starts to cry because the boy finds out that, you know, she's pregnant and he doesn't give a shit, the other girls are like, say to the ghost, now it's your responsibility because you found this idiot in the first place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it's It was fun. Wonderful. I can't wait to watch sequels. I know. One of them is directed by Johnny Toe. So we got to watch at least that one. Oh yeah, of the happy ghost. I, I got a feeling I'll I'll sprinkle those in in my uh in my movie yeah, watching yeah. lineup. We'll slowly. I feel like away. you don't want to. You can't have a five movie oh, happy God. ghost marathon. Could yeah. you imagine? No, no, you can't. Oh Christ! But that also brings us to, in my opinion, the fucking goat. Oh my God! I, it's, I mean, it's the best delightful ghost movie. Holy! But shit. also the most insane. I think. Like secretly, the reason why I was hyped to do this episode was because I talk about this. Yeah, and I and I also I wanted to show this movie to you, John. Yeah, and our other friends that came, Max and Emma, because this is, it's it's indescribable. The first time I saw it, I was on some fucking drugs, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And we weren't sure if it was real. There was a moment where we like paused the movie just to like take stock of our lives. Yeah, and be like, (laughs) "What is happening to us right now?" And I, part of me was a little scared that, like, watching it clear-eyed last night, that, like... It wouldn't be as magical. Holy fuck. This movie is nuts. Absolutely insane. It's called Lucky Encounter. We briefly mentioned it in our Category 3 episode, and I described it as Category 3 for kids. Which it basically <laughs> is. And it's also... It's 1992, so it it's during that Cat 3 golden year, middle of the wave, and is far enough after Happy Ghost and Encounter of the Spooky Kind. So, like, you clearly can see what tradition it's part of, but it's also just this, like... Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. So, wait, um, Untold Story is 92. It yeah. is. So, so Anthony Wong just wanted to kill one more kid. <laughs> He's just like, listen, like, I got it in my system, just give me one more. Yeah, so the plot, which is... Hard to describe, but I'm going to try it. Is It also has this just like ridiculous cast. So Tony Lung and Kent Chang are this just magical duo. They're so good together. I wish there were five of these movies. Absolutely. If there were five of these movies, I would watch all five of them. They play these characters who are sort of thieves and sort of, if you look up an online 
description of the movie it calls them inventors which like they kind of are it's it's like they steal things just for the purpose of going on an adventure like they're not greedy they're not really trying to make a profit they're they're also very robin hood like with the stuff they steal yeah they steal all of these like like thousands and thousands of dollars of fur coats and they don't really know what to do with them because the whole purpose was just like the fun of stealing something so they give them to all these homeless people who are cold it's like the movie is so sweet with things like that but basically they're hired by anthony wong's character whose name is cheap chang and he like if you've seen home alone or any weird kids movies from the 90s like three ninjas he's like a basically like all of those kid villain characters rolled up into a ball into one and he wants to get this giant stuffed Garfield toy back from his sister's abandoned house because it has a suitcase of $10 million hidden inside of the Garfield and he hires them to get the Garfield. They meet this little kid ghost who is anthony wong's character's nephew who he murdered by suffocating him to death in a box full of stuffed animal toys honestly the 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 imagery of a child being murdered by anthony fucking wong in a chest of while he giggles and like drools on himself stuffed animals it's just like this is like pure category three psycho shit yeah add the fact that anthony wong in this movie acts like peter jackson's character in bad taste where he's just like <laughs> drooling and go the yeah, whole time and he's constantly like shoving his drool back in his mouth and spitting on people when he talks yeah. oh and everyone like yeah the gag of the movie is everyone has to like block his projectile spit they're in the splash zone oh, oh, man. and like tony lung fucking the most charming person alive. What a fucking dime. Same oh year as God. Hard Boiled. So he was just, you know, in the hits. And like knowing Tony Lung's reputation now as this just like acting powerhouse, people love him from things yeah, Wong like, Kar Wai. you know, In the Mood for Love. And now he's in a fucking Marvel movie. Like to see him in this totally psychotic kids ghost movie, he just, he's so perfect in it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like oh, I'm about to be in hard-boiled in this John Woo movie. This is beneath me. He acts like he enjoys every minute of being there. In all these movies, I never really feel like anybody ever just phones it in. No. I think everybody just, I mean, it's their job. It's their, like, they, they it's their livelihood. And, like, that's what's so amazing about it is that it's this fucking goofball kids movie with a fucking Garfield kid and a ghost and, like, the ghost has all these psycho rules where it's allergic to cops. Oh, yeah. He's and, allergic to crosses. And when you and when you sneeze around him, then you can see him. Or when everyone sneezes at the same time, there's a lot of sneezing humor going on. And you have to look at the Garfield when he sneezes. And, like, everyone is going fucking all out for it. And it's just, it's so nice to see that. Don't forget the wacky professor oh, yeah. who has, like, the science element to talk oh to the ghosts and has, like, different yeah, dimensions. There, there's the... definitely a sort of Ghostbuster. It's it's sort of like, parts of it feel like Home Alone meets Ghostbusters meets 
I don't even. Yeah, there's a lot of things LSD you're gonna throw in that blender. Really? Yeah, there's a, a real amazing blender going on here. This is a smoothie of epic proportions. And but despite how crazy it is, it feels so charming and innocent. And, and like, it's a it's, Christmas movie. Yeah, it's yeah. a movie I'm gonna watch every like. Oh yeah, Christmas. I love it so much. This is the most heartwarming Anthony Wong child murder movie you could ever make. Yeah, I think so. There's even this part like they they introduce a ghost constable. So I'm like, oh, oh of God. course, obviously these guys are going to come in again later. You know, like, no. oh, there's got to be like this whole like ghost world thing with ghost rules. And no, just one scene where he has to run away from a ghost constable. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the kid is such a great actor and they have such good chemistry with the kid. Like there are so many movies like this or there's no movie like this, but so many of these like 90s kids movies that I liked when I was younger or that I want to like or that I like parts of, but like the child actor is just great on me. And in this movie, the kid is just delightful. Yeah, I love that kid. I really do. But what you were saying, John, where this feels like, or or how there are all of these different scenes that kind of like, not that this go nowhere, but they just feel like, why was that there? That's kind of Johnny Toe's thing. Oh, yeah. Where every 10 minutes in, in a movie that he's making, it just does something fucking nuts. His style is is so unique. He has like this childlike mind where like, you know how when you're a kid and you're like on the playground and you're doing something and you're like, oh, OK, hey, you can't cross this line because of this reason and that. And like when you're a kid, you don't fucking respect anything. But when rules like that come up you do you know what i mean like those like crazy rules that don't really make any sense but like for some reason like the floor is lava the floor is fucking lava absolutely and if you step on it you're dead it's time for animaniacs and we're saying it to the max so just sit back and relax you'll laugh you'll laugh And there are times watching like kind of like a middle of the road kung fu flick. And then you see a stuntman do something that like clearly broke his foot. Oh, God. Or part of his spine in some of these. Or like that fucking awful goddamn movie you made us watch earlier this year. Like we had a little marathon at at our friend Andrew's house. And it was this like, I think it was in the Philippines or something. Oh, my God. It had, like, Robert Mitchum in it or something. Chris Mitchum. Chris Mitchum. One of the fucking Mitchums. Oh, my God. Uh, Anyway, there's this scene in this fucking Chris Mitchum... Filipino what is it, like, action the last movie. Revenge or something. It's a very like a, generic yeah, title. Yeah. But there's a scene where there's there's like a car chase and there's a stuntman and he's he's out of the window of a moving car and he's shooting a machine gun at, and, and the car at, lands on him. And well the car flips over and you can see that he never got back in the window and then it cuts and like in my head I just watched a man die. Yeah. I just watched a stuntman die. For some Chris Mitchum, you first of all, if you watch Filipino movies, you've seen that happen more than a you lot. Were aware. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's the difference I think sometimes between like Hong Kong and like even like mainland chi- Chinese films and some of those like, uh, like Filipino or Thai flicks is that like, I mean, everyone's getting hurt in these movies, but in those ones, like you're seeing a little more death. I mean, even Hollywood didn't didn't somebody die in Ben Hur that's still in the movie? In the chariot race? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
Oh my god, and fucking and and fucking what's his name? The Resident Evil guy, PT Anderson, he fucking killed a stunt person, right? Yeah, but is it still in the movie? I don't I I, I know in Ben Hur, like you can see where the stuntman that died falls. Whoa. That's pretty demented. Yeah, I gotta yeah. see Ben Hur. Yeah, Ben Hur's pretty was... cult. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite scene from Faces of Death. The, <laughs> it's the, the ben snippet Hur. from Ben Hur. Do we ever bring up the the Hong Kong vampire movies where it's a European vampire? It's like the classic, like, afraid of crosses and garlic vampires. There's one, the movie's not that great, but it does have some some moments in it, and it's that, like, it's called Dr. Vampire. And this I love how lazy that is. It's like, yeah. we made these Mr. Vampire movies. You well, know I mean, what? the main Let's character is a, a doctor, and he goes to Europe, and, like, and then like, the vampire from Europe comes back. I think he gets bit in, like, a, a brothel or something. It's been a few years. Wow. Uh, so I'll, in my head, I'm, like, picturing a movie that's, like, a hammer vampire, like Christopher Lee's, uh, you know, vampire gets wrapped up in the Zhangxi world. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't know what's going on. Well, there's well, that happens in. We talked about this the last episode. Legend of, Legend Seven of the Golden Seven vampires. Golden Vampires. There is that crossover where you see Zhangxi and Western style vampires in one movie. It might be one of the only movies where that happens. I think so. Well, th- there's a Exorcist Master. And I think like the the moral of the story, because there's a a Catholic priest and a Taoist monk who are always at odds together. They have both types of vampires and they have to team up together to destroy all the vampires. That's pretty funny. A buddy, a buddy comedy vampire. But the whole movie, they're shitting on each other. And like eventually they're just like, okay, I guess we got to team up. Like your fucking dumbass cross is going to be. That's also Mr. Vampire 4, isn't it? No, no, that's Exorcist Master he was talking about. But Doctor or Mr. Vampire yeah. 4 has two rival priests who have to yeah, team up. Yeah, that's the one with the nuns, right? Yes. Yeah. Or is that five? They all blur Jesus. together. No, no. Christ. Four is the one with the rival priests. I think five is the one with the nuns. The nuns. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll... I, I really one day want us to do an episode on Crazy Safari, which is... It's just psychotic. What's Crazy Safari? Crazy Safari is like Mr. Vampire 6 or 7. What? No, no. It's also... No, they didn't. There are like 10 of them. Jesus And Because Magic Cop is also technically a Mr. Vampire sequel. And I love Magic Cop, as I said earlier. But So Crazy Safari is a sequel to Mr. Vampire, and it's also a sequel to The Gods Must Be Crazy, the alternate title. The African movie? Yes. Yes. The alternate title. We're not making this up, by the way. The alternate title is The Gods Must Be Crazy 3 for Crazy Safari. And Jesus. it's a Zhangxi movie that goes to Africa. It yes. goes by airplane with Zhangxi from Hong Kong to Africa. Oh, my God. And instead it's of throwing psycho. a Coke bottle out of the airplane, they throw some like vampire urn out or something. Pretty much. Oh, my God. I loved The Gods Must Be Crazy when I was a kid. I don't know why. I was You're like going to love Crazy Safari. Uh, it was just like a movie that I had like taped off TV or something, and I watched it all the time. Everybody has that like weird movie. That yeah, that was the one that kid. I watched a lot, and I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I like have no real desire to, but I guess if we're going to watch... We had to watch it in school for some reason. What? Yeah, I have no idea why. Oh, my God. School. Ugh. Oh God! Remember that? I don't remember a goddamn thing. About I didn't it. learn anything. No, I didn't learn anything until I watched the director's commentary of uh, 
<laughs> just fucking, yeah. fuck, I don't know. I, yeah. It's probably because you didn't have a happy suicide ghost friend right. to guide you through the oh, rigors Jesus of Christ. high school. Uh, anything else you guys want to touch on in the Hong Kong ghost world? I'm trying to think of anything, but uh, I think we... I'm yeah, hell out. yeah, that's it. That's it, baby. I mean, if you're listening to this and you haven't really gotten into this genre, like we were saying, it is... Start with the martial law... Walker Texas Ranger crossover <laughs> episode. I mean, I mean, really, it's it's so hard to approach it, and the only real way to do it is just to watch to a hundred thousand of these fucking movies. Well, start with Encounter of the Spooky Kind if you like that, but you're not sure you're ready for Mr. Vampire. Then watch Magic Cop. Yeah, and and if you're not interested in kung fu movies, just go right to Lucky Encounter. Yeah, I, I, I do think that Encounter of the Spooky Kind is a great starting point because it has that that Russian V feel. It also has Qui-Don elements from Japanese oh, cinema. Oh, yeah. Well, only because they just paint a nude Sammo Hung, which is, oh, well, yeah, this and the sequel, you see Sammo Hung's ass. Yeah, there hey, you go. How can we possibly have an episode yeah. on this and we not talk about that yeah. glorious rump? The greatest to ever do it. In all honesty, you can start anywhere. It's it's all madness. Just throw like close your eyes and pick one and then fuck it. See how how it goes. Hell yeah. Any any shout outs or plugs? You guys doing any other podcast? Sam, what's going on with the Patreon? I have wound down my Makokaji content, sort of. My most recent thing is a video I did on Japanese ghost cat movies, speaking of ghosts and oh. speaking of series where there are just like a thousand of these movies made between 1935 and 1975 and so i went down that rabbit hole oh, a little cool. bit I, i've only seen kiraneko is that's that that's like the most famous one yeah that is the most i, famous I watched one. that one in the woods in october last year Ooh. yeah it was really nice yeah, it's a nice spooky movie and i love how it's like a movie that shows the samurai like not as these like glorious historical oh, figures yeah. but as like the fucking nasty dogs that they really oh, were. Yeah, all of those the thing that I think all of those have in common is really awful things happen to women usually because samurai or samurai lords are forcing people to do things against their will like now you have to marry me or you have to come become my servant slash concubine and these movies all allow the people to get revenge from the afterworld with the aid of some adorable black cat who licks up their blood i'd love to hear not it. quite as whimsical as the zhang Shi movies there's very little humor all right you guys ready to sign off um yeah i don't think i'm doing any guest spots you taking it easy? Yeah, well, we got to fucking go to haunted oh, houses. So I am doing a guest spot that should be out by the time this episode is or shortly after on the Iron Sequel podcast, which is all about cult movie sequels on Possessed 2, another movie John showed us that also boy. has some fucking wild Taoist priest rules about capturing ghosts and exercising people who are possessed it's magical yeah that's that's a great movie thanks to bleeding skull for for introducing that into my life 
All right. Charles, why don't you do some guest spots? I'm we sure already, there's... Uh-uh. We already walked down this fucking rabbit hole last episode. People, I swear to fucking God, I am not doing a guest write, spot on a write single Write in fucking if you want to hear Charles no, do some... Absolutely not. Uh, you, we got to no. get him out of the house. I am He's not gotta going to show up and see anywhere. what it's like. We're, go- going, we're going out of the house to go to haunted houses. That's it. That's all I want to do in the fucking world. I want to see some spooky fucking shit. That's all I want to do. 